a stranger with a gun came upon two teens taking pictures under a rising full moon. But violence is only the beginning of this story. Sometimes I thought, there are no miracles. Yeah, there are. And this is a big one. I'm Amy Donaldson, and I've spent my career talking about how lives are undone by violence. The Letter is a podcast about how lives are remade. Follow The Letter at theletterpodcast.com or wherever you get your podcasts. Utah's best athletes count on flexibility, speed, strength. And the Jazz pick up their 22nd assist. So they count on University of Utah help. Brielle Soleil puts this game away. And so can you. Leading doctors, a world-class environment, award-winning innovation, care to be great. 14 unanswered by the Utes. University of Utah Health, caring for Utah's best and yours. Schedule your appointment now at uofuhealth.org slash care to be great. Welcome into the Saturday show, everybody. Welcome on 97.5 FM, the KSL Sports Zone. I'm Jake Hatch, and we are live on location today. We are at Mulligan's Golf and Games just off 106 South. You guys know where it's at, down here on the south end of the valley. We are out here for the Uinta Golf Annual Demo Days. Uh, I've got a number of vendors. I'm seeing I've got Callaway, I've got Stealth, I've got Mizuno, I think Wilson and Pinger down there. I've got Tor Edge. Uinta Golf doing it right, obviously getting number of opportunities for golfers to come out here and try all the new equipment, see what might work for you, and see if you need to upgrade your your golf game. Uh, You can stop by and pick that up. We'll have some of the reps on throughout today's show. Uh, Once again, thank you for tuning in to the Saturday show. Hope you all are doing well. Michelle is on her way up to the University of Utah. It is the 22 Forever game coming up at noon today. There is, I believe, an alumni game taking place like right now or starting relatively shortly. She's going to join us in our next segment to preview some of that. We'll also have some of our friends uh, from the zone that stopped by this event on as well. So it should be a fun show ahead. I got Corey back in our studios in Salt Lake City inside KSL Broadcast House producing for me today. Corey, what's up, my man? What's going on, Jake? I wish I was out there uh, with the uh, golf scene instead of in here in the uh, stuffy studio. Well, see, here, here's the thing. I, I'm sitting here, obviously, broadcasting. I'm watching people swinging clubs, and it's just like, man, I wish I was not broadcasting. I was over there swinging the clubs. But, hey, I may do that after the show. So I, we've got to get got to get the work done ahead of time. But how's your week been, sir? What's been the highlight? Uh, the highlight, uh, I would say, is probably... Let me think. You, you just dropped that on me, the highlight of my week. Uh, my daughter scored the game-winning goal in their soccer game there on Tuesday night in a 3-2 to two hard-fought 8-year-old uh, girls' soccer <laughs> victory. So that's probably been the highlight of my week. I guess we live through our kids, right? Oh, absolutely. Well, I just came from a flag football game for my son, so there you I, go. I, I know exactly what you're talking about. Uh, highlight of my week, I've been Mr. Mom for the last, like, two days. My wife is out on her annual girls' trip with her sisters, so uh, I haven't burned down the house, thankfully. Uh, I did have I did have a very, very embarrassing moment, though. We can start off today's show on that, Corey. Um, so I had to go to the grocery store last night to pick up some stuff for my kids, uh, obviously. We got to eat and stop by the grocery store, load everything up in the cart. Obviously, didn't have a ton, but got everything I needed. Get to check out. You know how they store now has that self-checkout feature uh get through all of that scan it all get ready to pay reach for my wallet and guess who doesn't have their wallet in their oh, back no. pocket oh no <laughs> 
You should do so, that. I've seen that Apple commercial where yep. the guy just applies for the Apple credit card real quick on his phone and then yeah. uh, taps it there. You should have you should have thought on your feet, Jake, and done it that I way. I know. I know. I should have. I should have. I, I regret not doing that, but obviously I uh, had to essentially tell the person who was kind of man in the registers there and say, hey, by the way, I need to run home and get my credit card and I'll come back and get this. And they kind of looked at me like, how old are you that you don't have like Apple Pay on your phone? I'm like, I just haven't set it up. So I'm I'm one of those people. And yeah. So anyways, highlight of my week right there, having fun with that. But nonetheless, uh, we we are making do. Like I said, we haven't burned down the house. No kids have been injured. So we're, we're doing pretty good. That's progress. Considered. Yes. Oh, it, trust me, it is progress. So, all right, we got a lot to cover ahead on today's show. So let's let's dive right in. Let's get to what's the big deal. Do you all know right. who I am? No, I, I can't say that I do. I don't know how to put this, but I'm kind of a big deal. Really? People know me. Well, I'm very happy for you. I'm very important. Uh, I have many leather-bound books and. My apartment smells of rich mahogany. <laughs> I still love that open. It's always fun. Obviously, the NBA playoffs in full swing right now. The first round underway, and having a lot of fun with this. And Corey, I'm I'm gonna just gonna throw this out right now. If you have thoughts, please feel feel free to l- l- jump in on this. But I wanted to go back to last night real quick and talk a little bit about what happened. Uh, the Hawks obviously avoided going down 3-0 against the Boston Celtics with a 130 to 122 victory. I-, I watched a part of that game, and it feels like to me that the Hawks are one of the teams. It's just it seems like they're they're biding time until they're eliminated uh, in the playoffs here. Similar to the Timberwolves, the Timberwolves did go down three nothing, so they've essentially got a death sentence at this point with regards to their playoff fortunes, losing to the Nuggets one twenty to one eleven. But the one that interested me the most last night, and this obviously connects with the Utah Jazz is the Cleveland Cavaliers. Now, obviously, Donovan Mitchell, former Utah Jazz star, is one of the leading players for the Cavaliers, but they could not shoot at all last night inside Madison Square Garden. Corey, I don't know how much of this you saw. They lose 99-79. to It's actually the lowest uh, output point-wise for any team across the NBA. The Cavaliers scoring just the 79 points. The previous low had been 80 points this game. That's insane. And- uh, it the is. The lowest it, of any team this yeah, season. This season. And it's I, a team I, like the Cavs with all that firepower. <laughs> oh, and that's the thing about it. You have Donovan Mitchell. you got Darius Garland. you even got guys like Evan Mobley, et cetera, that you think, okay, they can at least uh, make a three here and there. But they just could not. The first half, I think they had 35 points. It was just it was an absolute slog for the Cavaliers in this one. Don't give and them they, too much credit. They had 32 points at halftime, oh, It was Jake. 32. Okay, 32, come on. 30, 32. And that, they by the way, to hit another three. That was also, I think, also... There was an NBA low, I think, at, at that point as well, like in terms of the overall output for first half, especially for the Cavaliers. So it was a pitiful performance. But uh, as as you would expect, and I know you know this, Corey, you've worked in radio long enough, sports radio in particular, when the New York Knicks get any type of like hope for their franchise, their fans you know, take it in stride. I don't know how much you saw on social media. <laughs> Yeah, and the Knicks, the Knicks will nick in this series. I mean, there's no question about it. I, the good thing, the thing I think about with playoff basketball uh-huh. is I think about it like match play golf. Whenever sure. you're playing stroke play, every stroke matters. But in match play, you could go out and have a blow up hole, and it doesn't really matter. You could go get a triple bogey, no big deal. The guy just wins one hole against you, and that's Correct. the way it is for this game. Like the Cavs lose this game, and it's embarrassing, and they only put up 79 points. But I fully expect them to come out in the next game and win the game because number one, mm-hmm. they're the better team. Number two, it's the Knicks, and the Knicks are going to end up doing what the Knicks always do. So it's not. I mean, it, it, you laugh at it and you chuckle at it. 
it and we're like, wow, 79 points in a playoff game. What's happening to the Cavs? But ultimately, it's just like in a match play golf situation. It's just one hole. It's just one game. And you can come out, win the next game, and completely forget about what just went on in this game. Well, and that's the thing about it. You're absolutely right. And the thing about this, everybody was kind of pointing to the Cavaliers, their inability to shoot the three. They shot 7 of 33 from three, so that's 21.2%. But here's the thing. The Knicks weren't that much better. 10 of 33. They shot just 30.3% from three. I'm with you. It's like, okay, this may simply just be a one-off for the Cavaliers. If they if they bounce back and get back to shooting the way they've shot most of this season, especially from three, they're going to take game four. And then at that point, you've kind of regained uh, your home court, uh, your home court uh, what am I, uh, advantage in this matchup. And that, that that's the interesting part about this is to see how New York handles this because uh, Nick fans want something to latch on to. And this has been a decent resurgent season for them. Obviously, they uh, made the playoffs, that type of stuff. But I'm with you. It does feel like a match play. This might be the blow-up hole that Cleveland has. And the nice part is, as you mentioned, it's kind of a one-off. You you rebound from this, and all of a sudden you're sitting pretty, and life's good again, and Cleveland's moving on. The interesting part will be, I, I just wonder, this is just me having watched Donovan Mitchell in the playoffs uh, with the Utah Jazz. How is he going to respond in particular? Because he had in, the, in game one, he had 38 points, and they lost that game. Game two, he becomes more of a distributor at low, lower points, but more assists, and they end up winning that game. This is going to be interesting to see how he continues to adapt. He took 19 shots last night, scored 22 points to lead the Cavs, uh, despite their paltry output on offense. I'm just interested to see how he responds in particular, because Jazz fans, we all know that with the way that things ended here from him in Utah, there's obviously going to be an uh, an extra microscope on him to see how he responds in this circumstance. Well, no doubt, and I think the stakes have raised for Donovan Mitchell too, because of what Cleveland gave up to get him. They didn't think so at the time but now the way this season has played out and you've seen you know how Laurie Markin has played how Ochai Abaji has developed I mean I, I think the stakes have raised for Donovan Mitchell because I think every Cavs fan would have said hell yeah give us Donovan Mitchell we'll <laughs> trade this stuff away we've got to win now and now they're yeah. probably looking at it like man those guys are pretty good over in Utah, and they still got all those picks, too. So I, I think that the pressure's even ratcheted up a little bit on him because uh, Utah looks to have gotten a pretty good haul out of that trade. Well, and that's the thing about this. Obviously, all eyes here with the Utah Jazz are now kind of on the NBA draft. We're awaiting the NBA draft lottery, which is coming up in the middle part of next month. Uh, the NBA Combine will be taking place, and then the lottery takes part uh, takes place as part of that. And that's going to be the big question mark. Okay, where do the Jazz land in regards to the draft lottery? And then number two, uh, obviously, with the flexibility the Jazz created for themselves. You mentioned the draft picks. They've got a, they've got actually quite a bit of cap space as well projected this summer as well. How much of that cap space and how many of those draft picks are the Jazz actually going to utilize versus how much do they feel like, okay, we already have some pieces, as you mentioned, with Ochai Abadji, Walker Kessler, Lowry Markinen, most notably, obviously, uh, as an all-star this past season. They've suddenly freed themselves up, and you're right. There are got to be franchises, speaking of Cleveland, probably Minnesota as well, who said, man, we, can't, we, we gave up a lot to get, in the case of Minnesota, Rudy Gobert, and suddenly they're down 3 nothing in oh, their series. Oh, and they series. hate the trade. Minnesota and, hates the trade. They're like, why <laughs> did we do that? Uh, they were all happy last summer, and now sure. they're like, what were we thinking? But that, but that, that, like hindsight's fifty-fifty. The funny thing is, I, I think most Timberwolves fans are happy to have Mike Conley, who sure. came in another trade. They don't want but, Gobert, though. Yeah, the, the, but the haul that you had to give up to get Gobert versus what you had to give up to get, get Conley are two very different things. Like the the trade off, or the, I guess the the return is completely different. You're right. The Cavs, not Cavs fans, Minnesota fans, they're sitting there like, 
what did what did they do? What, what do we do here? Like, it just it, it's gonna be interesting. There's a lot of T Wolves fans that would trade Walker Kessler for Rudy Gobert straight up. Oh, I, I don't think jazz <laughs> jazz fans would disagree with that because he's he's offered. And that's the thing about this is he, Walker Kessler is probably as a rookie. Obviously, he's he's going to be an all rookie team honoree. Obviously, we're expecting that here in the relatively near future. But the more important thing I think for a guy like Walker Kessler is he's already in my mind. 80-90% of what Rudy Gobert was offering at a fraction of the cost. That That is the trade-off right there. You were paying Rudy Gobert, I think he was making somewhere around in the north of $40 million this year. Walker Kessler, it's like $4 million. So it's just, you're getting close to the same production and even more on the offensive end from Walker Kessler, but you're playing in a fraction of the cost overall. Yeah, the Timberwolves, I mean, they've got to look at this situation down 3 nothing, hopeless in this, in this series. What a disaster of a season. And the only thing that could have been better for Jazz fans, I think, is if the Thunder could have won that game last week and it could have kept the Timberwolves in the lottery, which would have doubled the Jazz's chances, which are slim, but at least doubled the Jazz's chances of trying to get up into one of those top picks. Trust me, everybody out there was rooting for the Thunder because you you wanted that lottery pick. But as it stands, the Jazz will have the 16th pick. Uh, They're going to have one in the the high 20s, I think 27 from Philadelphia as well, as well as their own currently sitting in the 9 slot, but the lottery still to come on that. All right, let's look a little bit ahead to today's games. There's four games on the schedule, and we've got the 76ers-Nets starting things off at 11 a.m. I just, that series, I can't really do much. I think Philadelphia knocks out the Nets here in just about an hour's time. They'll get going here. I think that one's over. But the interesting one here that's the second game is the Suns Clippers and the reason it's got so much intrigue all of a sudden is Kawhi Leonard obviously he's a two-time champion with the San Antonio Spurs and also obviously led the Toronto Raptors uh, to their win as well but he is out with a sprained knee and Corey at this point what is this is this is the concern the if you're a Clippers fan how much can you actually rely on Kawhi Leonard? Because he was figuring to come back and lead them here in a run in the postseason, and then he goes out and sprains his knee, and now he's out, and we'll see when he's able to come back. Yeah, and this is uh, this is the part about sports that really stinks, is when you get all-time players Correct. that can't fight the injury bug. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I mean, they've got another one in Paul George who, you know, fights the injury bug a lot as well. But they've put together this team that should be capable of winning a title. Correct. And they consistently can't stay healthy. And you just, <laughs> you know, and I know it's just part of sports and it happens, but you wish everybody could be healthy. You wish every team could face off at their peak power. But at the same time, you look at the Bucks, who were able to go out and get a dominant win without Giannis. You see the Grizzlies get back mm-hmm. into it with the Lakers without John Morant. I mean, you've got to be able to overcome it. It's one of the things that sucks about sports. You can't predict injuries. And for Kawhi, it's it's really, I mean, you're talking about he could have been on pace, not necessarily to be maybe be a top 10 guy all time, but to be one of the, you know, maybe 25, 30 best players in the history of this game. But yeah. he's never going to be able to accumulate everything he could have done if he could have stayed healthy. Well, and that's the thing about it, because on the other side, you, you mentioned the fact that these teams have overcome. Well, most in most circumstances, okay, the Clippers, if you're missing Kawhi Leonard, you think, okay, they got Paul George, but Paul George is out this entire series. Yep. They, they've got to make it through the series. He's got his own injury concerns. And now the Phoenix Suns have got to be sitting there thinking, okay, we have we obviously moved all in to get Kevin Durant at the trade deadline, and that was a, I, I, in my opinion, it was a fantastic move for Phoenix. They've got to be thinking, okay, we can not lend a knockout blow here, hopefully with a win in today's game, and 
you're you're obviously looking to finish out the series pretty quick, and that that's that's the positive here if you're Phoenix is yes, it's unfortunate for L.A., but you don't feel any pity if you're a Phoenix fan. No, every team deals with it at some point. I mean, you're gonna, I mean, heck, Phoenix is in this position because KD got hurt. Right when he got there, I mean, they would have won more games and they wouldn't yeah. have been the four seed. So yep. they're looking at it as though, hey, Clippers, we wouldn't even be playing you. We would be a higher seed if Kevin Durant hadn't gotten hurt. So teams deal with injuries. You never feel sorry for who you have to go through because no. it's still a grind and you still have to get through it. Not only do you have to win the games, you have to stay healthy. So your guys have to go out and not get injured. So, yeah, it's a war of attrition at this point, And you don't you don't uh, apologize for any thing that you get you know you don't worry about other teams injuries you just take the win and you move on and you go to the next series yeah it's, it's playoffs time that's the thing about this is you you're just simply trying to win the championships all that matter that's all that matters you don't care who you have to go through what happens you just got to get through it uh two other games obviously the bucks and the heat you mentioned the fact that uh my milwaukee battled back uh missing out with missing Giannis in their lineup uh, here's the thing about the heat jimmy butler to me, you mentioned the fact that like, a guy like Kawhi Leonard, who's so good individually, Jimmy Butler is capable of seemingly winning any single game, it feels like, in a way, for Miami. How much hope do you really have for Miami, or do you think that this is just it was an aberration and Milwaukee's going to start rolling here? Because they were my favorite to win it all at, at the start of the playoffs. Yeah, I mean, as long as Giannis can contribute, as long as Giannis, he doesn't necessarily have to be you know, all-star, all-world, best <laughs> yeah. player in the league, Giannis, mm-hmm. to win this series, as long as he's able to contribute. But Jimmy Butler, he's one of my favorite guys to watch. He can just go nuclear and literally just put the team on his back, and he's got so much swagger, so much confidence, and his guys feed off of that. Mm-hmm. Uh, but losing Tyler Hero, uh, I, I think, you know, hurts their chances too. But Correct. as long as yes. Giannis can contribute anything, I think that this is probably one that they win four games to one. I don't even see the Heat winning another game now if Giannis isn't able to contribute then maybe they can squeak out another one but I think Milwaukee's just got too much even without Giannis uh, for the Heat to be able to actually win the series and I do think there are Jazz fans who have a soft spot and I got a soft spot for it because of Joe Ingles Joe was on my show for eight years obviously every week and it's fun to see him back doing his thing there were so many people that thought that his career was winding down and in some ways it still is but he's had a nice resurgent season this year which has been fun to see but the game I'm I'm most interested in because there's been a war of words between these two the Grizzlies and the Lakers uh, you probably saw this like I did Corey you have Dylan Brooks mm-hmm. out there <laughs> saying oh I don't have any respect for anybody who doesn't put up 40 he's, he's old like, mum- mumbling he's old I mean okay you're talking about maybe the best player in NBA history uh, there's the debate of it's MJ or LeBron but what is Dylan Brooks doing is he just trying to he's like I poke bears well you're you're poking a bear dude what are you doing here yeah, this is. I, I'm interested to see LeBron's response because, <laughs> like, dudes don't just come at LeBron like this. It's no. not what happens, and it seems like it's really bad for business. Like, I, I fully expect LeBron to come out and hang 35 on Dylan Brooks tonight and make him look silly, but I think it puts a little bit of pressure on LeBron because, I mean, Dylan Brooks is right. LeBron is older. He's still capable of going yeah. out on any given night and being dominant, but he is older and Dylan Brooks you know this is the time I guess I guess if you were going to call out Jordan you call him out sure. in his Wizards days not his Bulls days <laughs> so he feels like you know what I'm going to put myself on the map and I'm going to make a name for myself and call him out so he's put a lot of pressure on himself but I think if if LeBron comes out and hangs 35 or 40 on him nobody's going to think anything they're just going to say yeah that's what LeBron does but if mm-hmm. Dylan Brooks comes out and shuts down LeBron and LeBron goes out and only has like 20 tonight and struggles for 
from the field, then Dylan Brooks is going to be able to, you know, puff his chest out a little yeah, bit and kind of peacock yeah. around there. Oh, and trust me, he will. We all, anybody who's watched Dylan Brooks knows exactly how he will operate if, if they do end up getting that win. It'll be interesting to see how it all shakes out. And that's the funny thing about this is with the, with the playoffs, you never quite know how it's ultimately going to go. You obviously have your prognostications. You're kind of projecting forward. Okay, what's this going to look like? What's this going to be? But the, the fun part about this is is the NBA playoffs are never short on storylines and drama. This is a league. I, I know that I Mark Stein uses this hashtag all the time, hashtag this league. And you know this as well as I do, Corey, is that with how the league operates, it thrives on the drama of it all, both war of words-wise and also on the court, and that's what we've gotten so far in the playoffs so far, and, that, and that, that's been a positive spin on this. Sure, and the NBA is going to go out and they're going to suspend Draymond Green, but secretly, <laughs> in the, you know, in the offices when these executives are talking, they're like, "We love it." We love okay. it because it's drawn eyes. People are interested. Yeah. People are paying attention to a series that, you know, I mean, granted, the basketball's been great in that series, but coming yes. into it, I think there were a lot of people that thought, okay, the Kings were a fun, plucky underdog all season, but the Warriors are going to kind of run away and hide in this series. And now I think it's kind of become the marquee series of the first round. Maybe it's Phoenix and L.A. just because of the big names in that, but this Warriors and Kings series has been great. And they love the Draymond stuff. Yes, they're going to go yeah, out and suspend him, and I think the suspension was warranted, but I think they absolutely love it. And the Warriors went out and got the win. That was the best thing for the league, that even without Draymond, the Warriors went out and got the win. Now he gets to come back for Game 4 and all the drama that's going to be in that series. Um, yeah, they love it. They love Dylan Brooks talking smack on LeBron. I mean, who's going to talk smack on, you know, maybe the second best player, maybe the first best player in league history? Oh, okay, this guy's going to be a heel. That's fun. We'll have some fun with that. Well, that's the thing about this. Okay, so I actually, that brings up another another question for you, Corey, and I, I have my thoughts on this as well, is obviously Draymond gets suspended, and I think as he should, because he did, he did stomp on, on DeMondis Sabonis' chest. The, him stepping down, you know what, you're going to step on the guy, that, that makes sense. But the, there was the extra action, the stomp on his chest that earned him that suspension. But then in the 76ers uh, situation, uh, we have Joel Embiid kick upwards and does not necessarily make contact with the groin area of, uh, of the player, but then he gets the one. Then later, we have <laughs> James Harden do almost the exact same thing, and he gets a flagrant two and thrown out, but neither one of them are subject to a suspension here. I, can we make sense of this? Where, where do you come down on this? Well, so I don't think Draymond, like to me, in my opinion, I don't think Draymond gets suspended just for the stomp. If that's where it ends, he goes sure. to the sideline, they decide to kick him out, whatever. I don't think he gets the one-game suspension. I think the league has to look at the way he was taunting the crowd. And I know that when we look at it now, and I'm not trying oh, yeah. to sound like a prude or somebody that doesn't like theater of the absurd and doesn't like <laughs> the drama that's created, but... If Draymond is doing that and you've got some drunk idiot in the stands that decides to throw something at him, throw, it could have escalated. It didn't. But what if it had? You just need that one person who's not going to act like a rational fan and who thinks, I really am going to go out there and try to take on Draymond that tries to charge the court, that tries to do whatever. I, I love the theater and the fact that it played out the way it did. I thought it was great. And Draymond being the heel and egging on the crowd was fun. But if it had escalated into something else, then I think you have a really big problem. And I think that's where the NBA says, look, we can't have players taunting the crowd. And so I think that that plus the way he stomped, you know, all of it 
in totality. But with Embiid and with Harden, they did their actions on the court. I don't think either one of them should have been suspended. I don't think Harden should have been kicked out of the game. But I think Draymond, his track record, what he was doing with the fans afterwards, plus the stomp itself, I think in totality it was kind of three parts. And for the other guys, it was just what they did on the court. Yeah, let's think about this. You're right. The reputation is obviously going to play into this. That's what the NBA, the NBA said that. They, they said when the, in the statement about Draymond, they said that his reputation for, as they, call, as they termed, unsportsmanlike acts is what ultimately uh, was the issue that led to him getting that suspension. But uh, to me, the biggest thing is uh, in the 76ers, you're going to give one guy a flagrant one for flailing upwards and kicking a guy near the groin, and they also get a guy later for a flagrant two for actually kicking him. And that's the interesting part about this is to see ultimately uh, – where it ultimately is going to shake out on that. And the NBA, you're right, in the league offices, they're secretly thriving on this, absolutely loving the fact that it's just a, it's a, it's a back and forth and they're loving it so much. All right, uh, we are going to talk with Michelle Bodkin coming up next. Uh, we're going to check in with her. She's up at the 22 Forever game, Utah's annual spring game, going to have some really cool things happening up there at Rice Eccles Stadium. We are joined now by Shane. And, Shane, you are here with Uina Golf Demo Days, and you are the general manager of the Sandy location of Uina Golf. Is that correct? That is correct, yes. So I have been into your store multiple times. I live down in Utah Valley, so the Orm store is my home store. Okay. But what I love about you in a golf is it's got everything. We have quite a bit of, <laughs> quite a bit of inventory, yes. So when it comes to these demo days, just kind of give us the, what's the idea behind this? Is it just a chance for all these reps to get together and bring people out and let them try out all the new equipment? Yeah, so the idea is people can come out and try all the different clubs yeah. in one spot, right? Sure. And you'll be outside. You'll be able to see ball flight because that's the thing we get in the stores is, Correct. oh, I can't see where the ball's going, even though we have monitors. you got the monitors, great. but people like to actually see the ball yes. out, out of so the Yes, so they want to see actual ball flight, mm-hmm. so here they get a chance to do that plus they can try every club they got five hours here they can just stay here we got a taco truck they can have lunch and just spend the day here and just try out Everything to their heart's desire, really. Well, and everybody, everybody knows where Mulligan's is at. It's right off I-15, zip down 106 South. It's right here. And the best part about Mulligan's, you can bring your kids out here. You can toss them on the, the mini golf out here while you come over here and hit clubs. That's the positive news. That is true, yes. <laughs> or they can hit bat- yeah, batting, say, batting or cages, whatever. Yeah, yeah, they got the whole bet. deal. Yeah, they can do Put a lot of Put them on the putting green things. over here and let them work on, their, work on their putter while you go over and hit a new driver. <laughs> now, when it comes to technology – I golf, obviously, so I, I know more about this. But for the lay golf fan who maybe hasn't upgraded their equipment maybe in three, four, five years, how much of a difference can that make to upgrade your equipment? So big difference, um, especially in drivers. Yeah. So I'll give you an example. Yeah. So Callaway this year has their new Paradigm driver, Correct. right? Yeah. So they've got four or five different distinct things that the driver does. So we've got an AI face mm-hmm. or artificial intelligence face, which helps the ball when you mishit it. We get more yardage on mishits. With a cup face on yep. that, which they've never done, which was their their um, their technology for sure. like their irons, yeah. and yep. now they've incorporated it into a driver. And then they've got the jailbreak, mm-hmm. which they've had for a few years. Uh, the big thing they've done now is the whole center section of the club is now carbon fiber, Correct, yeah. which allows them to put more weight somewhere else to make the driver perform more better and more efficiently, and it's more forgiving. Yes, and so they're touting. 15 yards of forgiveness on wow. either side okay. this year with the new paradigm. Um, so that just gives you kind of an example yeah. and, and just one. And obviously the other manufacturers have great technology They're as all well. Similar, yeah. yeah, and so they've learned now, you know, kind of medium launch, low spin with the driver. You're going to get optimum distance. So mm-hmm. optimum carry, maximum roll, going to get the most yards out of it, going to be the most forgiving when they miss hit it. 
and they work great. And so how long is this going on today? People can stop by and So check today out we're here from 10 to 3. Okay. And so we'll be here till 3 o'clock this afternoon. Okay. They can come and try everything out. We've got, uh, I think, eight vendors here. Yeah, so down. There's a bunch of tents down there. So, so, yeah, so we've got a bunch of vendors, and uh, the big four, obviously, are all here. Correct. Um, I know a lot of people always want to know if Titleist is here. <laughs> so Titleist is here. Callaway's here. I can yeah. see that. Yeah. yeah, they're all here. Yeah, so. so they're here, and they can come and try them out. And Yeah, just come on down and give it a go. Absolutely. Well, Shane, thanks so much for taking some time, and thank you for having us out here, first off. Okay, thank you. Thanks for coming. All right, so there you go, Shane from the Sandy Store down there. And, by the way, if you can't make it out today, stop by the Sandy Store. It's 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 golf heaven for me personally. Absolutely love all this stuff. By the way, the first 100 people uh, stopping by here get a free lunch, obviously. So come on by. We're at Mulligan's down here, 106 South, 600 West, roughly. You guys know exactly where it's at. Stop on by. We'll be here from 10 to noon. More to go uh, coming up next. This is the Saturday Show on 97.5 FM, the KSL. Sports Zone. I'm Dave Cauley, investigative journalist and host of the podcast, Cold. In October of 1985, a woman named Cherie Warren left work at a busy Salt Lake City office. To meet her estranged husband at a downtown auto dealership. She never made it home. Cherie's car surfaced weeks later in Las Vegas. In the parking lot of a hotel casino. No one knows how it got there. Strange. It was strange. Both Cherie's estranged husband and her boyfriend raised suspicion for investigators. I kind of thought that he might have done something. But no arrests were ever made. In Cold Season 3, we dig into double lives, make new connections in the case, and examine the difficulty raised by reasonable doubt. We want answers just as much as anyone else. They have creeps like that now, too, so nothing's changed. That's the new Cold Season 3, The Search for Cherie. Now available anywhere you get your podcasts. Welcome back to the Saturday show here on the KSL Sports Zone. Hope you all are doing well on the Saturday morning. We are live at Mulligan's Golf and Games for the annual You Win a Golf Demo Days. Uh, I got multiple reps out here, vendors. Uh, I'm seeing Callaway, Titleist down there, Mizuno. No matter what you're looking for, come on down, try all the clubs, see what might fit your game. You'd be stunned. I- I'm a guy who I've got my, I guess you call it, uh, my preferences when it comes to my golf game with certain brands. I've actually been impressed multiple times when I've gone hitting different clubs and actually may fit your game a little bit better. So stop on by. First 100 people down here also get a free lunch from our friends that you want to golf. You also can enter to win uh, free gear as well. Love to see you guys stop by. But I'm uh, going to welcome in the co-host of this show. She is obviously on her way up to Rice Eccles Stadium for the 22 Forever game coming up uh, later today. But Michelle Bod can check in with us. Michelle, what's up? Oh, not much. Just hanging out, checking out some of the tailgate before I uh, have to go in and start covering this spring game. All right. So tailgates, you know, there in Utah is pretty legendary. What's the best thing you've had so far today? Have you been able to taste any of the any of the offerings up there? I have not been taste testing, <laughs> okay. but I have just been going around checking out some of the crazy setups. Uh, you know, posting them on our KSL Instagram account. Sure. Uh, some people, you know, are having some fun with this. I, they they brought back the ultimate tailgate uh, challenge, and so mm-hmm. you know, there's there's prizes involved, and we'll we'll see who ends up kind of being the the top notch tailgate from today. Well, but uh, some fun things up here. Well, absolutely. So uh, so obviously, when it comes to the tailgate scene, are they letting them set up there in the west lot once again? Where where where's this happening? Where's it going down? 
Yeah, yeah. So they have have this all set up in the west lot. Um, about the first two rows are dedicated to tailgating um, from uh, on the north side of the west lot. Okay, got it. Well, uh, obviously, going to be a really fun event today. And now they're called, they've rebranded this as the Twenty Two Forever Game, and obviously, this is going to go uh, to the scholarship fund honoring both Ty Jordan as well as Aaron Lowe. Uh, can you explain a little bit what the impetus was to to kind of rebrand this? And they're obviously selling tickets and opportunity to contribute to that fund. But what what's kind of been the overarching theme of today's event? Yeah. So I mean, back. In 2021, when it was mm-hmm. just Ty Jordan uh, that everybody was celebrating, obviously that was the first year that the ticket proceeds were going towards that scholarship fund. Uh, now we have Aaron Lowe involved as well, uh, as everybody I think is kind of pretty familiar with that story to this point. Uh, but it just really, it, it this is just such a tough, sad situation mm-hmm. for this team for this coaches for the staff for this community um it, it really rocked a lot of people i mean i i think it's really easy to forget but you know so, some of the guys on the team were standing right there when you know blow was killed uh they mm-hmm. they saw what went down uh and, and so there there's still just a lot of healing going on and i think that was Part of part of the reason why we're seeing you know this game get changed to the 22 Forever game is it's just another opportunity to kind of heal, to remember these kids, to remember the impact that they had on the team, uh, and, and to to be 22 percent better uh, in whatever it is that you're trying to do. And and obviously spring ball is kind of a hallmark of trying to get better, trying to get everything kind of organized and, and under under wraps so that when it comes time for fall camp, it's pedaled to the metal. So it, it just all kind of makes sense from that regard. Now, the Musk game, as I understand, is already underway, Michelle. Uh, this, uh, How long has this thing been going on? I remember it happening. It's been going on for years, hasn't it? I mean, I, I think they've had a Musk game going really – I really started coming out to the spring games as a student – back uh-huh. in 2008 and I've been going going to these things ever since whether it's been as a fan or or as media mm-hmm. I think they've had one ever since I can remember so it's it's been a while it's been a good long while that they've had that must game going yeah, now I admittedly I haven't been as many Utah Spring games as you have, but I've actually I've been to a couple of them. The Musk game to me is actually one of the. It's kind of I I I will reference if BYU fan wants reference for reference sake. It's kind of what the BYU's done with their alumni game. It's just it's a fun event. It's not meant to be like super super serious, but it's an opportunity for students in this case with the Musk to go out there and and live their dreams in a way playing on the RAS turf, and it's just kind of a fun thing. And I think BYU fans the reference point is what they've done with the alumni game the last two years. Yeah, I mean, it's always nice to kind of have, you know, a fun little kitschy part, I think, to your spring yeah, game. Sure. Uh, whether, it's, whether it's an alumni game or, a, uh, like, student section game or um, the, the tailgate competition, you know, I, I, I think that's just a way that gets people kind of involved and engaged and excited, you know, for another season of, of football and, and kind of the rest of the collegiate sports that come up. I mean, football's the big one uh, that mm-hmm. sets up kind of everything else for the rest of the year. So, 
Yeah, absolutely. Uh, talking with Michelle Bodkin, obviously co-host of this fine program typically, but she's on her way. She's up at Rice Cycle Stadium for the 22 Forever game happening. Uh, it kicks off at noon if you want to get up to Rice Cycle Stadium and support the Utes. Now, Michelle, obviously spring, uh, spring ball coming to a close for Utah. Over this past week or so, uh, what have kind of been your observations in the final lead-up to this game? I, you know, I think the the big takeaways for me have been it appears Brandon Rose has a pretty good hold on that number two position, at least for now. And I think today's going to go a long way to determining, you know, if, if that really remains true, if they're good with, with that decision or if they're going to carry this on in football camp. And we probably honestly will not be told, you know, what their plan <laughs> is on that. <laughs> but yeah. but I, I, I kind of think that this game will probably either – coming back and just I think more experienced and confident which is kind of I think been the problem you know the last couple of years for this for this team it's not that everybody hasn't come back it's that you know you're dealing with guys that maybe have one one year of experience or no experience on that side of the ball and this year we're talking about guys that have at least a year and maybe two and some have three so mm-hmm. just better experience level um, and, and returning talent on that front. Now, this shouldn't be surprising to anybody, but I, I just looking at some of the tweets from different media members, there are a number of the quote-unquote veterans of this Utah football program that are not going to be participating uh, in the spring game today, but that shouldn't surprise anybody. Do you see this as an opportunity, though, for the younger guys to go out there and uh, really show what they're capable of doing to these coaches, or is this more of just a kind of a, I guess, a showcase event? I, I mean, spring games you have to kind of take with a little grain of salt, I feel sure. like. But, but for these young guys, it never hurts to take it serious, right? Like, yeah. I mean, coaches are watching everything you're doing. And so if you kind of show up and you're disengaged and you're not taking it serious, <laughs> you know, it's maybe not going to bode well for you come fall camp when you're trying to vie for, you know, being part of the travel squad or, or being on the two deep on the roster and seeing some playtime. So, yeah, I, I expect these younger guys to take it serious, to really try and showcase and show what it is that they can do and why they're a valuable asset to this team. Now, you mentioned Brandon Rose. You think has uh, essentially he, he's moved ahead of the competition with regards to the backup quarterback position. Uh, part of that has been due to injury. Nate Johnson was slowed through a part of the camp at least uh, due to some uh, knee issues it sounded like uh what what does he need to do in particular speaking of Nate or maybe even a guy like Bryson Barnes to supplant a guy like Brandon Rose in your mind you know it's I I'm trying to remember who it was it was either Witt or Ludwig that kind Mm -hmm. of pointed out you know Nate Johnson's going to have to put in some extra work because he's missed time and that's just what it is um so but Nate has proven to be, you know, the kind of kid that will put in that extra time. And and so it'll be interesting again to see if they decide to, you know, shut it down after after the spring and Rose is just going to be the guy that they roll with or if they're going to kind of keep this going through fall camp. Uh, I, I'm going to kind of assume because they didn't get as big of a look at Rose as they maybe would have liked to that this probably is going to carry on through, uh, through fall camp uh, in hopes of, just getting a little more taste, really making sure, you know, that that's the direction that they want to go. But I think it's, it's all going to come down to summer for these guys. You know, there, there is no resting on your laurels. There's no being content with or accepting even, you know, perhaps that Rose, Rose has the, the lead right now. It's, it's getting up and, and doing the work to try and come in and compete for their come fall camp. 
Well, and just to add to that, I, I'm with you. And to me, this this backup uh, quarterback uh, battle to me is a little more important than most out there, Michelle. I want to get your thought on this. Is because whoever wins that job, I, I'm with you. I think it does go into to fall camp. But whoever wins this is essentially the heir apparent to Cam Rising, and that that makes this one a little more important than most. It feels like. I, I think that's the way that Utah should be approaching it. If they're not. Uh, you know, this is a prime opportunity to get a guy kind of established and comfortable, maybe get him some valuable game reps, uh, you know, throughout the season while you still have the safety net of someone like Cam Rising. Uh, and then the hope is, right, that they get enough experience, they get enough taste, they get enough exposure to the game that they're ready to rock and roll and kind of take ownership of that spot come next year when Cam Rising isn't an option because he's either going to be in the NFL or he's going to be doing, you know, something, something coaching who, who knows what's on Cam Rising or in Cam Rising's future, but, but it just won't be here at Utah anymore. <laughs> sure, and that, that, that's a good point. Now, obviously, uh, they they start the season with a with a big game. Florida making their first trip west of the Mississippi, and uh, it feels like eons. Honestly, it's been decades since they've uh, come west of the Mississippi to play a non conference game. Now, obviously, spring camp wrap, wrapping up here, and we will not see them back out on the field in uh, team activities in just full until we get out there in August. But Michelle. Besides the quarterback situation, what are the biggest question or questions you're uh, hoping to have answers to in the lead up to that game against Florida? I think the big the biggest question is will Cam Rising be ready? It sounds sure. like things are going well yeah. with his recovery and and all that kind of stuff. It sounds like he's on schedule or maybe even a little ahead of schedule. Um, I mean, not that it means a whole lot, but he's looked good walking around at practice. <laughs> so you know. <laughs> So I, I think that is question number one, is will will he really truly be ready to go by Florida? Or are we going to be looking at whoever ends up winning that backup job? Uh, you know, other things, who who actually ends up winning that backup job? Is, is it going to be Brandon Rose? Like it kind of looks like right now, will Bryson Barnes pull ahead? Will... Will Nate Johnson, you know, make make the move uh, over summer? That's a question I think is interesting. Another question I think, you know, that's going to be interesting to follow and watch, it's the one area of concern that the coaches seem to have brought up several times throughout spring is the wide receiver depth. Who else is going to step up? Do they go to the portal to bring someone else in? Uh, you know, how, how big of a difference is that going to make and, and how much are they planning on using the wide receiver this year? if it ends up, you know, with them talking about the fact that it is a concern for them. Defensively, I'm not sure I have a lot of questions, to be honest. It okay. just it sounds like they've kind of filled out pretty well. But I, I think most of the questions, for me at least, are on the offensive side of the ball, which is kind of funny because they do have a lot of returning talent, too. Now, Michelle, they announced yesterday the Crimson Collective is, is officially the endorsed uh, collective of the University of Utah to help out in the NIL space. Uh, how important was this for Utah to get this off the ground? Oh, it, it's huge. I mean, it really kind of is. It sounds so dramatic, but it's an arms race. Uh, you know, this, this, I think Whittingham was quite correct when he said, you know, last October essentially the top 25 will mirror who has the top 25 in NIL. And so it's one of those things, at least for the here and now, as we understand NIL, shape up or ship out. And, and you know, some schools are, were a little behind the curve, and a lot of that 
I think is reflective of, you know, who was honestly doing NIL before NIL was legal. Um, a lot of the teams, I think, that have got gone up and running really quickly, they were already doing this and had kind of a system in place. And so it was more about just flipping the switch and being like, okay, we don't have to do this in a CD alleyway anymore. We can actually mm-hmm. do this out in the open. Um, you know, some of these other schools, you know, Utah's, BYU's that are a little bit smaller and maybe don't quite have that alumni system to kind of funnel money around, you know, have to sit and think about how, how are we going to do this? What is this going to look like for us? How do we get people on board with, you know, putting money towards these student athletes. And so I think with the Crimson Collective, they did a really good job about thinking about and taking into consideration what Utah athletics and their culture has been over the last 30-ish years. And it's been very family-oriented and it's been very community-based. And so having that element of community service involved with it, I think is huge. And I think it's going to get fans involved. Uh, And I think... You know, it sets the tone for kids that end up choosing to come here. Uh, sure. It's you're not, we we have the money and we have the resources, you know, to help pad pad your college college experience here. But you have to earn it. Uh, the this is not freebies. This is not you know a bag man handing <laughs> you a bag of cash and, and expecting you not to do anything. Yeah. Like, like you're going to have to work for this, and you're going to have to build your brand, and there's some expectations with it. So I, I like it, and I think it's also huge, too. Um, you know, they got guys on board, Eric Weddle, Stevenson Sylvester. They're both very much on the record of not being for NIL. And so to have guys like that sitting on your board, I think, means that you're on the right track. Sure, I'd agree with that. Well, Michelle, enjoy the 22 Forever game. Uh, looking forward to seeing all your reports out of that. And, of course, we'll see you back here next week on the Saturday show, all right? All right, yeah, looking forward to it, Jake. Okay, there you go, Michelle Bodkin. Big thank you to her. If you have not had an opportunity to get to Rice Eagle Stadium, uh, support the Utes, their annual spring game, now the 22 Forever game. Uh, some fun fan-friendly activities going on, so get up there if you guys don't have any plans later on this afternoon. Coming up next, though, we are going to get to technical fouls, rewarding people for behaving badly in sports. we got some good ones out there this week. We'll get to those coming up next. We are live today at Mulligan's down here on 106 South by 600 West. You guys know exactly where it's at. It is the UNA Golf Annual Demo Day. Stop by a number of vendors out here, giving you an opportunity to hit every club in their arsenal. If you want to give them a shot, please do so. Come on by. First 100 people here as well. Get a free lunch. Uh, Curtis of our friends at UNA Golf. You also can enter to win free gear as well. Stop on by. I'd love to see you guys. More in a moment. This is the Saturday Show on 97.5 FM, the KSL Sports Zone. If you're coming from the street with dirty shoes on your feet, that's a technical foul. If you switch the radio to some modern music show, that's a technical foul. If you touch the thermostat, you'll get hit from the back. Because that's a technical foul. You will feel my wrath. Personal foul, 69, offense. He was giving them the business. A technical foul. Welcome back to the Saturday show here on the KSL Sports Zone. Time now, as you heard, for technical fouls. And uh, it's a fun segment where we kind of just reward people for doing stupid things in sports. And, Corey, I'm going to start off with one here. I don't know if you saw this, but uh, Drew Smiley was uh, pitching for the Cubs. And I think this was, uh, I think, <laughs> yesterday. Did you see this happen? I did. Okay. So, he obviously, he was flirting with a, with a perfect game. And he was doing great. And uh, we got one of our refs from Cal here, Brian. You can see this, Brian. Wow. 
So Drew Smiley comes off the mound trying to get the ball to get it over to first base. Well, Jan Gomes, the catcher, didn't realize he didn't get called off. So they just collided and ended up giving up the... That's a way to lose your perfect bit, your perfect game bit right there, to have your catcher just kind of bowl you over. He tried to launch himself over him. Yeah. He just didn't quite have the vertical to get there. <laughs> exactly. And most catchers <laughs> don't, but it's just it's pretty funny. He's like, oh, hey, oh, shoot, we got, we got a problem here. But that one made me chuckle. What do you got this week, dude? You know, my technical foul, it's not the athletes on the field. It's uh-huh. the former athletes in the sports media. I don't know if you okay. paid attention to this. Brady Quinn talking about C.J. Oh, yeah. Stroud and yep. how he ghosted the Mannings for the Manning football camp. And now RG3 and Ryan Clark and all these guys are coming out and going after Brady Quinn. To me, it's a technical foul on everybody that's going after Brady Quinn. Brady Quinn was not trying to character assassinate C.J. No. Stroud. He's not yeah. trying to hurt his draft stock. He says he's the second best quarterback in this draft. And this is the case of an agent, David Mulagetta, who represents C.J. Stroud, rallying all these guys that he's got relationships with to come after Brady Quinn. I just hate it when people can't just let something go. In no way, shape, or form was Brady Quinn assassinating the character of C.J. Stroud by saying he ghosted the Manning camp. No big deal. Guess what? These teams, they have millions and millions of dollars invested in evaluating these prospects. Something Brady Quinn says about a Manning passing camp isn't going to affect what they think about C.J. Stroud. See, and I'm with you on that. That's the thing about this. And we're going we're gonna to hear about the S2 test coming up in our interview in the next segment. There's a, it's a cognition test. And C.J. Stroud performed horribly on that test. And the, the, according to the, the makers of this test, if you perform as bad as he did on that test, you're actually more likely to be the biggest bust of all these quarterbacks. It'd be interesting to see how he handles this because I'm with you. He wasn't trying to completely like, get him, have him go undrafted. He's just simply saying, Bryce Young's the number one quarterback for me, and these are the reasons why. And that, he that, was asked the question, Sure, yeah, absolutely. is there a reason why in some people's minds C.J. Stroud is sliding? So he literally had to try to think of things that somebody <laughs> might think was yeah. a negative. And then goes on to say, I don't think it's a big deal, and I think he's the second-best quarterback in this class. So, you know, whatever. Yeah, also technical foul on the five NFL players, by the way. First-round uh, first pick, uh, Jamison Williams, among them. Five players league-wide by the NFL suspended for violating the NFL's gambling policy after an investigation by the league. Uh, Lions wide receiver Quintus Cephas and safety C.J. Moore have been suspended indefinitely. That's at least a year before they can get reinstated by the NFL. Uh, they have both been released by the Lions after being suspended. Uh, it's a bad look for a first-round pick, especially for Jamison Williams, who was supposed to be a guy that the Lions were relying on this year. I think he got six games. This to me, and Corey, I'll get your thought on this. The NFL saying, well, don't gamble, but we're going to take the millions and millions and millions of dollars that all these gambling companies want to pour into our league. But hey, you players, don't you dare. Don't you dare do this. Well, and I don't, it makes no sense to me that Jameson Williams. I- he was betting on college football, yeah, but he, he did it from the, league, from the facility. From the facility, got him the suspension. Like, Who okay. cares? Yeah, I'm with They're you on adults. that. adults. Yeah. It's legal. You're taking all this gambling money as a league. If he's not betting on the NFL, there shouldn't be a problem. Yeah, you, you'd think so. It just, I don't know. It, it seems like... It, do as I say, but not as I do, in a way, with the NFL with this. But if you're going to bet on NFL games, I understand you're, yeah, if you're betting on your own league's games, and especially your own games, okay, that's a different, but to be betting on college football from the team facility, I, I, that doesn't make sense to me, but whatever. So uh, best of luck to those five players as they move forward with their careers, no matter what happens. All right, uh, we are down here at Mulligan Golf and Games at the annual You Win Golf Demo Days. we got Brian here from Callaway, and Brian, i got to admit, I played with a Callaway Big Bertha years and years and years ago and loved the club. I ended up actually breaking the head. Like, I, I hit it so much. I just So, 
there's a new Big Bertha out, I hear. Yeah. So what's what's been the what's the big difference uh, with with the with the new Big Bertha? What, what what have they done to rebrand it, bring it back? Yeah. So a couple things. Or uh, uh, you know, our flagship product this year is really the Paradigm yeah, Driver. We're, we're talking a lot about that. Just a second, yeah. Yeah. Uh, the Big Bertha uh, 23 is really a slicer's dream. Got it. Uh, okay. This is a forward CD hey, driver. It's me. <laughs> Low spin. It's super forgiving, but you're still. Uh, you're still going to get a very low spin driver, which is the key to hitting the ball straight. Obviously, spin is Absolutely. not directional, yep. so we want to keep that ball going as straight as we can. So it's a perfect driver for that guy that hits hits the slice, hits mm-hmm. the fade, that's really trying to hit that ball much, much straighter. So. Now, anybody who reads Golf Digest, any of these golf magazines, hears ads about, they hear about the Paradigm. Mm-hmm. Obviously, and we were talking off the air, it's a full set. You can go uh, irons, you can go hybrid, you can go with the driver. Obviously, the driver's the big right. one. What sets the Paradigm apart? Uh, what really sets it apart, if we start with the drivers, our 360 carbon fiber chassis, yeah. which allows us to really move weight where we need it. And you hear us talking about AI all the time. Yeah. We're, we're, we're kind of the leaders in that forefront of the AI supercomputers. Mm-hmm. And really low spin, super forgiving. Uh, we were able to achieve that last year with the Rogue and then really yeah. step it up again with the Paradigm. If you look at the Tour and what's going on in the Tour and the, and the players that we've got out there winning with Paradigm, it's, it's, it's just a really, really good product. Um, so... Now, I've got a friend who swears by his Rogue. It's his favorite yeah. club in the entire world. What would your pitch to him be to upgrade from the Rogue to the Paradigm? Yeah, so, I mean, obviously it's only a year ago. Rogue's, I say, yeah. Rogue's a phenomenal product. <laughs> and, and it is. Yeah. He, he, trust me, he pummels yeah. the ball with his Rogue. Yeah, so the biggest thing that we were able to gain uh, with this particular driver uh, through the 360 chassis is we were able to get a little more ball speed okay. than we got out yeah. of the Rogue. Uh, so I think that's where you're going to see it. So more distance. Um, you know, if we go back through time, we've been hearing that every year. So we should all be hitting the ball like 600 yards <laughs> sure, by now. But that being said, uh, a little more ball speed and then actually 15% tighter shot dispersion than Rogue. So it's cool. forgiving as Rogue was. Yeah. It's tighter. Um, I, I've had an opportunity to fit people already this year where we saw some gains uh, from Rogue to Paradigm. Um, and, uh, you know, and obviously if there's gains, you know, guys are junkies, so they're, they're willing to pay, they're willing to buy a new driver if it can, if we can prove it's yeah. better. <laughs> well, it, you're, you're right about that. Yeah. I, I, trust me. I, I have a, my dad, I love him to death, but he is like the annual, okay, what's better for me? And he, he'll upgrade on an annual yeah. basis. Right. If, if you can prove it yeah. to him, that's the absolutely. Thing. Yeah. All right. So you guys are out here as part of the UNA golf thing. Mm-hmm. You've got all your clubs available. Everybody can hit them as much as they want, right? Correct. Yep. So, uh, and you guys are also, do you guys offer fittings as well, I'm assuming? Yeah, okay. yeah, we do, we do fittings uh, really across the, you know, the whole Utah, the state of Utah. Okay. We, we're different golf courses at different times. Sure. We, we, we do these five to seven days a week uh, where it's scheduled fittings. Yeah. You can check with your local golf mm-hmm. course that you, you play the most and you may be on that email list and that's sure. how we, that, that's how people sign up. And obviously any retailer, you know, we're here for you win a golf as, yeah. as well. And you know, that's where you can go in and get fit and, and make sure you got the right clubs from us. Well, that's the thing. I, anybody who plays in a men's league, we all get these emails. I've yeah. been in a men's league. Yeah. Trust me. I get it. Like, Hey, we've got such and such company coming out this yeah. day. And so stop on by, but love to see you guys stop out here. Uh, have you had the tacos yet? Not yet. I, I heard they're good? phenomenal. Okay, I, I, well, I got to try them myself. Yeah, so. I'm going to get over there soon. Okay. So. Well, Brian, uh, stop on by. We've got a bunch of vendors down here. We'll continue to talk about that throughout the rest of today's show. But thanks for stopping yeah, by. Yeah, thank you so much. All right. So there you go. Brian from Callaway, a number of other venu- vendors here as well. Stop on by, get some free gear, get some free lunch as well. I'll be here until noon. This is the Saturday show right here on 97.5 FM, the KSL Sports Zone.
Welcome back to the Saturday show here on the KSL Sports Zone. Jay Catch along for the ride on this Saturday morning. Hope you all are doing well. We are live today at the Uwinna Golf Demo Days down here at Mulligan Golf and Games. Just off 106 South, and you know where it's at, down here on the south end of the valley. Love for you guys to stop by. A number of great vendors out here. We just talked with the Callaway rep about uh, their gear they got going on. We'll have some more of them throughout the rest of today's show. Uh, have some conversations about what kind of gear you can try. The best part is you can come out and hit every club they've got. they got all their drivers, the fairway woods, hybrids, iron. All of it. You can check it all out. Hit as many of them as you want. See what might fit your game best. And uh, first hundred people uh, are getting free food as well, courtesy of you and golf. You also can enter to win free gear from our friends at you and golf as well. Always appreciate their uh, being a sponsor of the station. Obviously, this really really cool event. All right. Uh, obviously, the NFL draft is under a week away. Uh, begins Thursday night with the first round and the second and third round Friday, and then finally the final four rounds, four through seven. On Saturday, so this time next week, we should have a good idea of where guys like Dalton Kincaid, uh, Blake Freeland, etc., local uh, stars should be uh, with regards to where they're picked after the first three rounds will be in the books. We'll actually probably be in the middle of the, like the fourth or fifth round when we finally are on air next Saturday. But I uh, had a great chance yesterday on DJ and PK to have Thor Nystrom on. Uh, he covers uh, the NFL draft for uh, betting pros as well as fantasy pros. Does a really good job breaking things down uh, from a unique perspective. We had him on the station a few times to talk about this. But he joined uh, PK and Riley Jensen, who was filling in for David James yesterday, uh, talking a lot about what's going on in the NFL draft, what he expects to see go down. So let's hear that conversation now. Here you go. Uh, Thor Nystrom with PK and Riley Jensen. One of the things, there's a lot of stuff quarterbacks always have the run. I wanted to hit you up for a local angle first. Dalton Kincaid, what a story, you know, just barely plays uh, football in high school in Vegas, uh, senior year. A lot of uh, recruiting is already done by that point. Goes to the University of San Diego. We know the story here. Comes on to Utah, and then this past season, man, just really blows up. What do you put the odds on him going in the first round? Because there's been some talk of that, which would be incredible. He's going to go in the first round, yeah. Um, and I think he has a really good shot to be the first tight end taken off the board. You know, when they dropped those odds initially, it was plus 140 for Dalton Kikade to be the first tight end off the board. I, I have I have tickets on that um, like because I, I think he, he's really in play for that. I think the odds are better than 50%. The, the trump card that he has, it, it's the thing that he has over Michael Mayer, his competition for that. It's the receiving element, but specifically being able to go down the field and get it. And he also creates separation in the intermediate area. And if you put it anywhere in that guy's catch radius, he's catching the ball. Like his his hands are truly insane. That's the thing that really jumps out about him. Um, the, the USC game it might be the most, you know, the first one I'm talking about in the regular season. Yeah, yeah, yeah. One of the more impressive. Well. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like it's hard to get that game out of your head. And what was so interesting about it, you know, you guys know, I mean, he caught 16 or 16 targets in that right, game, right. almost 250 yards, whatever it was, two touchdowns. What was so interesting was you go to the Pac-12 title game then, Dalton Kincaid playing through a back fracture, clearly labored, but USC had gotten so spooked by him from the game before. They're still throwing multiple guys at him in coverage, and as you guys know, that opened up all the spacing for, for the, the Utes, his teammates of his, and, and helped him beat USC again. Uh, because of that trump card of his receiving you, uh, ability, I, I, I do believe that, that, like I said, he's in play to be tight at one. When you are evaluating uh, different players, how how – if, if if it's a for example if it's a group of five player, is 
performing well on that level any different than performing well against, you know, P5 competition? Do you have to go look at them perform against P5s? Or is that level good enough that you don't have to, you know, painstakingly look too much at who they're competing against? Yeah, I mean, you're you're definitely looking for proof of concept that they can beat, uh, like, analogous competition, you know, that they're going to be facing at the next level. Uh, Jim Nagy, the senior ball director, talks about this, about the importance of bringing those, you know, guys, FC, you know, whether it's G5 or, or even going lower FCS or, you know, in the past they've, they've even taken the D2 or D3 guys, about how we want to see good on good. Um, and some of those guys, they had less opportunities to play good. A kid in this class that I think about with this, it's Tucker Kraft from from South Dakota State, the FCS school. Um, his tape is is interesting because he he is so athletically gifted that he's just dusting these FCS guys, and he's wide open on a lot of the times when he catches the ball because of his athleticism. Yes, but you know that that's not going to be the same case at the NFL level. He's going to have to learn how to run uh, his routes with a little bit more nuance and different stuff like that. He ain't just going to be able to win with the athletic explosion. But, yeah, I mean, th- th- that's why you like to see those kids go to some of those different things or you, you investigate their tape a little bit more against the, the higher-level competition. Thor Nachum, NFL draft writer for Fantasy and Betting Pro, coming at us. Uh, what type of movement in terms of trades do you expect early on? Because I'm hearing, you know, just listening and reading as we do that – for instance, um, quarterback, obviously, is a hot commodity, and you've got guys who are going to go at the top with uh, Carolina looking like a young. We'll see how that plays out. But then you can make a case, uh, Houston, they need somebody. I suppose Arizona's uh, okay with uh, Murray, but then you've got uh, the Colts, and they could go with a quarterback. Do you think that the Cardinals could actually move down and maybe get a Will Anderson, or is he just that good that maybe even the Texans would take him knowing that they need a quarterback? Yeah, well, you know, as as far as the Texans and the quarterback and and Will Anderson, the odds have have drastically shifted on that pick in the sports betting markets where now Will Anderson is moving closer to, like, being the coin flip shot at least from the public perception, that is something else that I have a ticket on. I, everything that I have heard out of Houston is that they're going to bypass the quarterback at two. And some of this stuff, you know, people out there might be wondering, like, how, how is C.J. Stroud, you know, a guy that was talked about with Bryce Young, how could he potentially start to fall a little bit? Why wouldn't the Texans just take him at two? Well, first off, because the Texans make wonky decisions. But second off, C.J. Stroud tanked the S2 test. That you know, that, that's like the new wonderlick. You know that the NFL uses. It's more of a processing in the moment thing, where the wonderlick was more about just like your, you know, your memory basically. Um, and and CJ Stroud, I think he tested. He, he was in the 18th percentile. Bryce Young was like in the 98th to the 99th percentile in terms of their scores in that. So so that that's what could you know lead Houston away from CJ Stroud and to a guy like Will Anderson. And if CJ Stroud's stock has fallen far enough. Has that dried up Arizona's uh, trade market for the number three pick? Would they just sit in that slot and take a defender? And that's where it starts to get interesting with C.J. Stroud. Because, we, you know, all, all process I've heard that Jim, Jim here say of the Colts loves Will Levis. You know, is, is that going to be an argument in the room about Levis against Stroud? And if the Colts end up going with Levis, I don't think that Seattle's going to take Stroud at five. Detroit ain't going to take him at six. So that's where it starts to get interesting, you know, as far as the, the trade possibilities or, or where does C.J. Stroud end up uh, going. Who's the guy 
right now that is sliding up the draft boards that maybe we'd all be surprised about? Who, who's the guy that you're just like, wow, this guy's really like making some moves on the draft board? Well, one who's sort of doing it uh, a little bit clandestinely, I think, is Keon White, the uh, the you know edge dash defensive lineman from Georgia Tech. He can do a whole bunch of different things, but he was sort of a late bloomer who had started out at Old Dominion on the other side of the ball, and then he you know eventually you know shifts, and then he transfers eventually to Georgia Tech. But he's just this freak of an athlete in a huge package. So you you can play him outside. You can you know on early downs you can shift them inside to, to rush the passer on passing downs, but because of that wonky profile, I think people have had a hard time putting their finger exactly on where he's going to go, but the NFL tipped us off last week that he could be going a lot higher than people think because he was one of the 20, 22 guys or so that were on the invite list to the first round. The NFL doesn't invite you to that unless they think you have a real good shot to go on the first round. Right. Yeah, no question about that. When I was a kid, man, running backs were where it was at. I mean, it seemed like that was the glamour position. And obviously it shifted, but the kid from Texas, Robinson, uh, still, I mean, looking like, you know, he's head and shoulders above everybody else. Is he a first-round pick? And then who would be the second pick as far as running back, and where do you think it would go? Yeah, Bijan's definitely a first-round pick. The, the, the chatter around Atlanta and him has not stopped. Uh, the number eight slot would be too rich for my blood, personally, for a running back, even one as good as him. But it it, do, it does seem like Atlanta is interested. So the the Bijan Robinson watch begins at eight, and the band of outcomes for him is anywhere between that slot and the twenty sixth. He ain't falling past Dallas. If Bijan Robinson gets to twenty six, the Dallas Cowboys will keep him home, move him from Austin to Dallas, and you know obviously Dallas they cut Ezekiel Elliott. Bijan Robinson would profile to 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 play, or you know be a really good compliment for Tony Pollard. So I, I think it's anywhere between that eight slot and that 26 slot. As for the second running back, I got a different one than I believe the NFL does. I think uh, Jameer Gibbs of Alabama is going to be the second running back off the board, probably at the very top of the second round. Um, I, I like his game a lot too, and, and he's going to be able to kick, uh, return kicks for you. He's a fabulous receiver, stuff like that, but has the small frame. So he's not going to be able to handle as many touches in the NFL, you know, you probably not even get up to 20 per game. You're going to have to choose how you delineate that usage. If you want to use him as a returner, if you want to throw the ball to him five to six times a game, you're going to you have to mitigate his, his carries a little bit. So for that reason, the, the guy that I rank a little bit above him is Zach Charbonnet at UCLA. I think Zach Charbonnet is the only other back in this class outside of Bijan Robinson that from day one in the NFL goes in and is the starting bell cow that you can give him as many touches as you would like. Uh, Zach Charbonnet is very underrated. He, he started his career at, at Michigan with was a you know ballyhooed recruit. Got on the field uh, immediately at Michigan and he played well. Then, then he, he like the COVID season was a little bit wonky for him. He ends up transferring to UCLA. The past two seasons he was absolutely awesome. Uh, last year he was uh, near the top of the nation in terms of uh, force missed tackles. The, he was also at uh, top fifteen in elusive rating. And he's a very underrated uh, receiver for being a bigger back. He doesn't go out and do the stuff like Bijan does. He, like, you're not going to be able to put him in the slot or whatever. Like, and he's, he's not going to go out and run down, you know, wheel routes down the seat and whatnot. But, like, p- having him as, as the safety blanket guy, he's extremely reliable. He does not drop passes. 
and he is really difficult, just like he is as a runner, to get down once he has that ball. Because for a bigger back, his movement in short short quarters is really good. So he, he changes the angles on defenders right before contact. And then the off-angle attempts and the arm arm tackle attempts, he just runs through them like a turnstile. So, I, I, I like I said, I think that kid's underrated. I, but I, I think Charbonnet more goes late second round to gives his uh, top of the second round. There's a number of, like, trends that have happened over the years. Obviously, you know, after Lawrence Taylor – you know, defensive ends became super important, and that's why the movie Blindside was written. Offensive tackles are now super valuable. Is there, is there any other position like that right now that would surprise us that is that is shooting up in value for for different teams? As opposed to saying one position, I I will say versatility because the NFL is moving more to positionless football really on both sides of the ball, right? Like, I mean, like, you know, we, we for a couple of years, the buzzword was defensive chess piece. You know, they, they, they were looking for guys that, that could move all over the place and then go into the slot to, to take care of the big slots and coverage. You know, if, if the opposing team had, had one of those guys, you're seeing it way more on offense now too. Like, th- think about a team like the 49ers, where every time they come out of the huddle, it's like they've shuffled the deck and you have no idea where guys are going to line up. Where's Debo going to line up? You going to line up on the outside? You going to line up in the slot? You going to line up in the backfield in the running back position? Christian McCaffrey lines up all over the place, you know, in the backfield predominantly, but he'll go out, you know, slot uh, boundary. Ayuk, you don't know where he's going to go. Kittle, you don't know where he's going to go. That fullback, they line him up everywhere. So, like, um, be, the ability to play multiple different roles or win out of various uh, alignments or, uh, for you know, in your formation, that is becoming the, the important thing to, like, the, the forward-thinking NFL organizations. Thor Nystrom, NFL writer and fantasy for Fantasy and Betting Pro. I had the opportunity to go down to the Swamp last year. It's just one game, obviously, when the Utes played down there. Anthony Richardson is an incredible athlete, but, man, I just don't know that I was that impressed with him as a quarterback. And Obviously, my exposure to him is very limited, but I keep hearing his name, and he's a kid that seems like he's getting a lot of run more so than it was when the season and then throughout the offseason and now with the draft coming up here soon. It seems like his name is being prominently mentioned. Where do you see it going? Yeah, to, to me, I, I I tend to think he's going to be the, the either the third or the fourth quarterback off the board. You know, some of this stuff is going to depend on if a team is super duper bullish on Levis. They, we, we hear conflicting reports on the Levis stuff. Of like, there's these couple of teams that that potentially like him a lot. We we heard that that Houston might like him more than other folks too. I, I mentioned the Colts, um, but th- that's going to inform that. But for me, Anthony Richardson is a clear step and maybe two steps above Will Levis. And I know that the Raiders like uh, Anthony Richardson a lot. So if Anthony Richardson were to, were to get down to seven, I, I think that's where, where it ends for him. But as far as that Utah-Florida game, I remember that game. I, I was watching it live. Anthony Richardson made some plays of that game that I don't know that any other quarterback on planet Earth could make. And I'm specifically thinking about that two-point conversion play. I still haven't been able to get that thing out of my head where the Utah had the two free rushers on him yeah. on a play concept that was designed to roll him right into it. Like any other quarterback is just dead to rights there. Somehow gets away from the two guys. You did that that crazy like I'm in the ma- I'm Neo in the Matrix, like jumping up in the air, pirouetting with the pump fake, and then running around the other kid. And then you had the receiver in the uh, wide open in the back of the end zone. The, that didn't win the game for Florida, 
but it more or less did because you could tell that the, the the spirit had just been stolen, like the soul had just been stolen from the Utah defense after that. What could you do? So, so those are the kind of things, of course, that you're thinking about when you're projecting him to the next level because these these prospects are all not going to remain static to the level that they are right now. Anthony Richardson, his his athletic uh, trump card in that physical package, the the arm strength. And then the other thing I'd say about him is I, I think he's just a little bit underrated in the pocket. People always toss out his completion percentage. And, of course, you know, you look at the last 10 classes, the first-round picks in that, he's going to be near the bottom of the list in that. But if you merely change the metric that you're looking at to on-target percentage, he goes for near the bottom to shooting way up the list. Because his receiving core last year at Florida stunk, and he was learning another new offensive system, too. In fact, he was playing for his fourth different offensive coordinator the last four years, his fourth different quarterback coach the last uh, four years, and I believe his third head coach of, of the last four years. But the, the receivers in particular did not impress. There was balls clanging off their hands, like, all the time. Pearsall and shorter and just like I mean he would put it on the money a lot and, and that would happen and that that contributed to some of the accuracy stuff you do have to work on his mechanics for sure but the one thing I'll say is I'm more bullish on him than, than Levis with regards to this because they both have the inconsistencies with their mechanics but Levis has no pocket presence he doesn't sense the rush whatsoever and once he does denote it like the, that the enemy is at the gate he starts making wonky decisions. He panics, you know, so he'll put the ball up for grabs or, or different stuff like that. Richardson's the opposite in that regard. He, he sends the pressure for sure. Doesn't panic under it whatsoever. I mean, again, go back to the Utah game or go back to any of his other game film. He will allow those free rushers to get within mere strides of him. You know, while he's still looking down the, the gun barrel downfield because he, Anthony Richardson knows that at any moment he can spring in either direction and then accelerate out of sticky situations. And so these rushers have learned, like, man, we got to approach this guy with extreme caution. You know, it's like it's like a zookeeper approaching like a lion that has gotten out of the cage at the zoo. It's like you got to be very, very careful in that situation because once Anthony Richardson, you know, does that thing, springs one way or the other, now all of a sudden he's broken containment. Now, now all the alarm bells are going off at the zoo and you're in trouble. Also want to hit you up on Jaron Hall, see what you think, uh, where he's going to go. Is he going to get drafted? Um, I, obviously, we can't hold you to it exactly, but maybe what round? Uh, I do think he'll get drafted, yeah. You know, I mentioned the, the S2 uh, test earlier. Uh, results came out. Our, our friend Bob McGinn, who, who does a really good job of uh, – putting out info that the baby some would prefer that he didn't, but today or maybe it was today or yesterday, he put out on his thing, the, uh, the, the S two percentiles of a, of a bunch of quarterbacks. We got confirmation of that. CJ Stroud had, had scored very low, but we also seen that Jaron Hall scored very high. Uh, I, I forgot if he was 92nd, 93rd percentile, something like that, but the NFL for quarterbacks, that is something that they absolutely pay attention to. And that was good to see for Hall because uh, he last year you were hoping to get a jump in his game and you didn't really get it. And then he goes to the senior ball. I, I was down there in Mobile. He did not impress at the senior ball. Um, like it, it just was not a good week for him. And interestingly enough, I flew out on the, on the Friday. Jaron Hall sat in the, the the seat behind me on the airplane. We flew to Dallas for his. You know, I don't know if he. he flew back to Utah after that or whatever. But, yeah, he, he left before the, the game was played that week. But, you know, the, the opportunity then to to do that test where maybe that salvages some of the, the dropping stock, I think between that and between some of the, the physical tools that you've seen, that, that's the one thing that impresses about him. He, he has a good arm for his frame. He's athletic. 
and he has like the you know a guy that played the multi sports in 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 his background with the baseball stuff like that. He he gets the ar- the ball out at different arm angles, like some of those different guys that you seem to be the multi sport guys in the past. That that's a trait that that translates to the NFL if if you have the other stuff to go along with it, because you're going to be in tighter quarters, you know, as far as the pass rush whatnot. The, the ability to maneuver the ball out of there, but there's still a ton of inconsistencies with his game. I just think between the the, the physical tool set, sort of the ball play on that end of it, and then the proof of concept of how he processes information that, that he showed quantifiably with the S2 thing, that's going to cause a team on day three to throw the dart on him and then put him behind a guy as their sort of developmental pep project. There you go. Uh, Thor Nystrom with the betting and fantasy pros covering the NFL draft. Interesting to hear him talk about Jaron Hall there at the end, but you heard him say that he's a guy that NFL teams will be high on simply due to the fact he's got that cognition test, such a high score on it, but he was really, really high on Dalton Kincaid, obviously, and as everybody should be. Dalton Kincaid's going to be a first-round draft pick. He's a very, very good football player, and we'll be tracking all that throughout the upcoming week, getting ready for the NFL draft. But we are joined now by Steve from Wilson Golf here down here at Uinta Golf Demo Days. And, Steve, uh, you mentioned this right as we were talking. Wilson is a brand that people know Wilson as the brand itself. Right. It's a huge sporting goods conglomerate. It's got a million different things. Wilson Golf, though... Is kind of having a little bit of a resurgence here. Can you explain what happened with all this? Yeah, that's fair. Um, yeah, Wilson does dominate. They're they're number one in racket, basketball, football, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, absolutely. Golf. I mean, anyone that's you know my age or near me knows Wilson Golf. Sure. I mean, they were a powerhouse, and yeah, let's just say Wilson took their eye off the ball as far as golf's concerned for okay. for a number of years. They have new ownership now. Focus. They're big focus on golf and that's mm-hmm. what got me i mean i spent the last 15 years of my career with tricks on and oh all right wilson gave me a call and told me about their plans for the future and it's mm-hmm. bright uh, we just launched a new line called dyna power okay the dri- driver's fantastic the new the, the stuff is really good we our stuff can compete with anybody now uh, it, it's going to take a minute but sure we're, we're heading in the right direction for sure well that's what i'm to ask you about because we obviously know that there are brands that just hold a lot of the weight in the golf world do you feel like it, with wilson in particular and some of the like, I, I guess this can lend out to some of the small the smaller brands you kind of have to prove it you have to have guys actually get a hold of that club and go out there and hit it to prove that hey this is just as good as what those guys have a hundred percent and that's why i'm here on a 40 degree day <laughs> freezing <laughs> freezing our tails off yeah, yeah. It, no you it, 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 it just won't happen overnight, but uh, but just slowly and surely the things are growing. Sure. You know, we just came off our best golf year ever in uh, 2022. 2023 is off to a bright start. Awesome. But, yeah, it, it's going to take time. You're going to see more and more of it on tour. For example, um, we just signed Kevin Kisner, sure. which is, you know, very popular um, out there. I think he's number five on the PPI. Mm-hmm. Um so it's stuff like that. And again, it's not going to happen overnight, but the plan is big. And I think in the next year, two, three, four down the road, we're, we're going to be up there and maybe compete with the big boys a little bit. Okay. You mentioned Diana power, your guys' new line. What, what sets it apart? Yeah. So it's, so Wilson, I think most guys that really know golf, um, their irons have always been sure. incredibly solid yeah. in the driver game. Maybe not so much. Okay. And that bit. was before I was there. <laughs> This so is I, not your fault. This is no. <laughs> this has nothing to do with me. But the the new driver is fantastic. Uh, we have two. We have two drivers. We have a titanium and a carbon. Okay. So we've got a titanium driver out there for someone that wants to hit it higher, a little more draw enhanced, more game improvement. But then our carbon driver's fast. Um, we've been kind of blowing up. It's been fun. A lot of the big YouTube guys like Rick Shields and stuff have okay. dubbed yeah. their 2023 driver of the year. 
which is awesome. Yeah, so absolutely, yeah, getting that kind of rep, yeah. We've been getting some really good publicity. The driver performs. There's no doubt about it. So we're 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 off and running. It's been fun. And everybody can come out and hit both drivers today. I'm yeah, assuming. yeah. We're here uh, with Uina Golf yeah. uh, and with a bunch of other manufacturers sure. too. But from uh, ten to three today, and it's I did say it was cold, but it's warming up a little bit. Yeah, we just need the sun to come out. That's all. <laughs> that would be nice. If the sun came out, it would it would definitely be actually a really really nice day. But nonetheless, so okay, so Wilson Golf, uh, you guys are just down the way here. Uh, stop on by. Anything else you want people to know about the brand, what you guys are doing these days? Yeah, so, you know, golf clubs were in a great direction. Sure. Golf ball gets overlooked a lot. Okay. And, and we've got three three premium balls. All right. Uh, the duo, and I've got some samples. Uh, next few guys come down and say, you hear it, i got some samples for you. But we've got we've got a ball for everybody. The duo is a great all-around ball. Okay. Uh, guy looking for a little bit more distance. It's long and soft. Sure. All the way up to our tour ball. So, we, yeah, come see me and uh, – Mention the twelve eighty and Jake, and we'll uh, we'll get some balls for you. I didn't even know that Wilson had a ball. I'm not going to lie. So well, I need I need, to, I need to I need to get my brand awareness up a little bit. Obviously, well, Steve, thanks for stopping yeah, by, and Jake, we'll listen people your way. All right. Okay. Have a great day. All Appreciate right. Uh, coming up next, we'll get to five minutes stuff. Talk about some of the other stuff going on in the sports world. This is the Saturday Show right here on ninety seven point five FM, the KSL Sports Zone. Welcome back to the Saturday show here on the KSL Sports Zone. We are live at Uinta Golf Demo Days down here at Mulligan's Golf and Games. A number of people, it looks like the driving range is filled up pretty nicely. So if you guys want to stop by, they're going to be out here until 3 o'clock this afternoon, letting you essentially test any and all uh, clubs you want to test out, drivers, hybrids, uh, irons. They've got them all here. Uh, eight different uh, manufacturers out here. We've talked with Callaway. We talked with Wilson just barely. We'll have some more of them on before we wrap up today's show. But uh, a couple of things we need to hit on before we move along. As we call this five minutes of here on the show. Talk about some of the other topics in sports we have not had a chance to discuss yet. And uh, Corey, I know you've got a keen interest in this one in particular because you do have season tickets. Real Salt Lake uh, back in action tonight, uh, taking on the San Jose Earthquakes. A little bit of a gut punch loss last week down there in Dallas. Yeah, it's been it's just been tough all around. I mean, there was the the highlight a couple of weeks ago when they scored the three goals within about mm-hmm. a six minute stretch. There, that was a lot of fun being out at that game. But sure, I mean, this team just can't score. They just can't <laughs> find a way to put the ball in the back of the net. And uh, that game against Dallas, I mean, I felt like they were the better team. And for most of that game, they were the better team, but just couldn't find a way to get the ball into the back of the net. And that's kind of been the theme uh, outside of that one little barrage where they score three goals in six minutes. And outside of that, this team just can't find a way to put the ball in the net. And with Crylock being down, that has really hurt them as well. It's just, it's been a rough start. I I had a little bit higher hopes for this team coming into the season. And right now, uh, they need to figure out a way to score some goals because even you can, you know, between the 18s, you can play and dominate possession and dominate, you know, uh, all of that. But if you're not putting the ball in the back of the net, the other team just gets a counter on you and boom, they put it in. And you're like, what just happened? Yeah, well, that's the thing about it is you're right. We, I think we all thought, okay, they've been able to manufacture goals in previous seasons with, I guess, not what I'd call elite uh, attacking talent. But this mm-hmm. year it's been an absolute slog for them. Uh, San Jose will be an interesting matchup tonight. The weather uh, should be cool. I don't believe the forecast has much rain in the forecast. If it does, it obviously could uh, change a few things, but yeah, you're right. The biggest thing for RSL, you got to score goals. you got to find a way to manufacture them. Uh, two years ago, Demir Krylock had his breakout season, uh, obviously with the 16 goals, 9 assists that he had, but then he's lost for the entirety of last year, and they found a way to score goals then, but so far this year, you're right. It's just been... 
it's been t- frankly terrible just watching them in the attack because it just seems like you're right. The Dallas game, they were in many respects the better team, but when you get in front of goal, you've got to convert those chances. There's yeah, and, and that's the thing is like if people, if you don't follow soccer much or haven't paid that much attention to RSL yep. at this point, you would say, oh, okay, that's great analysis. They need to find a way to score more goals, but they have had like. <laughs> prime opportunities, times sure. where they yeah. get ahead on the ball and head it right to the keeper. I mean, it's just you've there are certain times where you look at it and you say it's harder to miss a goal there than it is to score a goal Correct. and they found ways to miss on those goal opportunities so it's not just because they're creating good chances it's one thing to say a team needs to score more goals if they're not creating good chances then you're like hey they need to figure out a way to create chances before mm-hmm. they even worry about getting it in the back of the net this team's creating a lot of good chances they're not finishing and that's one of the most frustrating things I think uh, for Pablo Mastroeni and for all these guys is that they're getting the opportunities. It's that you don't get a lot of really great goal scoring opportunities in a soccer game and they get too many that they don't cash in on. And that's the most frustrating part. Well, you're right. It's absolutely because they are, they are generating the chances. There's no doubt about that, but you've got to cash in. There's no doubt. And, uh, we'll see what they can do tonight. Uh, obviously, they've got two straight home matches here uh, that, uh, in terms of MLS action. They will, at midweek, be actually headed to Las Vegas. They're going to take on the Las Vegas Lights in the U.S. Open Cup competition. Uh, the Vegas uh, faithful down there, the soccer fans down there, very excited for this. Because the way I understand it, this will be the first MLS team to ever uh, play at Cashman Field uh, where the Las Vegas Lights call, call home. And that's really US. cool for those yeah. for, for oh, these yeah. you know smaller level teams. To be able to have these MLS teams come in, I think I'm not. I don't love the U.S. Open Cup for the MLS teams, sure. but I do love it for all the lower division teams and other league teams that get their shot and get their crack at the MLS teams. Well, and, that, and that's the thing about this is it's an opportunity for those clubs. They they can sell season tickets off stuff like mm-hmm. this because you don't see those teams come into those venues very often. I'm assuming at some point in the relatively near future, uh, Las Vegas will be the home of an MLS club. I just they, everything else is going to Vegas these days. We'll talk about. The A's here in a minute uh, with the with the baseball side of things. It just seems like there's going to be an MLS club there, but for the time being, Las Vegas Lights. That's the highest level they've got right now, which is USL. It's it's tier two or tier three, depending on how you look at it in U.S. Uh, soccer hierarchy. But for the uh, for an MLS team, a top division side to go down there is a big big deal for a club like Las Vegas. And that'll be Wednesday night, eight o'clock. Uh, it'll be a late night uh, for uh, RSL. They look to advance in the U.S. Open Cup. Obviously, going down to Las Vegas gives home turf advantage to the lights. All right, let's talk about the baseball side of things, Corey. And I know you're a guy from the Midwest. Uh, you did sports radio out there. How big of a deal in your mind is it that the A's have officially signed a, a binding agreement to buy a big chunk of land down there right off the west side of the Strip, essentially in Vegas, and they're going to move to Sin City? Well, I think it's big in the sense that this is something that's been talked about for years and years and years, <laughs> yeah. and finally, it, finally it's done. I mean, it would appear that at this point it's going to happen. I can't imagine any uh, Hail Mary or anything happening that would keep them in Oakland. Uh, so it's big in the sense that Major League Baseball has plans, it seems like, to expand. But they're not going to expand until Oakland and Tampa figure out their situations. So now you've got one of those two teams down. Oakland's going to be in Vegas. I think it's great for Salt Lake because, you know, Vegas is another one of those markets that you're like, okay, Vegas and Salt Lake, which one would get a team first? Well, now Vegas is going to have their team. So if they do look to expand out west, it's okay. Is it Salt Lake? Is it Portland? I think this was really good news for people who want Major League Baseball in Salt Lake. I know most of the people that listen to Sports Talk Radio are in the camp that, (laughs) yes, they want baseball 
uh-huh. in Salt Lake, but I think there's a lot of people that are like, we don't need to spend more money and bring another professional team into town. But you and I, I know, are firmly in the camp of we'd love to see baseball here, and I think this was a, an, an important step for Vegas to get a team before Salt Lake so you didn't have to worry about competing with those guys down in the desert. Yeah, absolutely. Big League Utah, obviously the group that announced the plans to build that new stadium over there on the west side of Salt Lake City. Uh, Steve Starks, who obviously is the CEO of the Larry Jimmler Group of Companies, uh, he tweeted out in the aftermath of that news coming out on the Vegas front. He said, this is what we had in our calculus. This is part of the plan. Mm-hmm. We, need, we needed this domino to fall uh, in, our, in the hopes of uh, getting a major league team here to Salt Lake City. And there was an interesting point made, and I hadn't really considered this, Corey, and I'm going to run this by you and let you kind of weigh on this as well, is that the reason why Salt Lake may be attractive is because there is no major league franchise. There's going to be at least 400 miles between Salt Lake and any other major league franchise. Whereas Seattle potentially, I know there have been talk about maybe Lincoln, Portland, and Seattle to have two regional rivals. Well, Seattle kind of dominates up there in the Northwest. And Portland's only 175 miles away from Seattle. So does Seattle want another franchise that close to them? Whereas Salt Lake gives them a little bit of separation. And Salt Lake's far enough away from both Vegas and Denver, as well as Arizona, that it gives them more of a regional aspect. Yeah, there's no doubt Seattle would fight it. Seattle would yeah. fight hard to keep it away from Portland. And, you know, I mean, realistically, a lot of this comes down to dollars and oh, how yes. you're going to be able to support the teams. And yeah. Salt Lake has the money. Uh, not only the city, but all the businesses. I mean, the the way this city is growing and businesses that will come out, corporate sponsorship dollars, and then just the people that would be willing to invest and buy the tickets and try to keep that place, you know, full. It's just, it just it comes down financially. Salt Lake makes a ton of sense. I think weather-wise, it's going to be tricky. You know, it's the same thing. You know, I'm a Royals fan. I grew yeah. up, you know, or I spent the last 20 years in Kansas City. So I'm a Royals fan. And when the Twins decided to build their stadium and didn't put a roof on it, everybody's like, nobody wants to go up to Minnesota and play sure. those games in early yeah. April. And so I think Salt Lake's going to face some of that. But ultimately, the weather in April and the weather in October and November is a trade off for what you'll do for the dollars that will come in and the support that this city would give. Well, and I, here's the thing about this. You can build, they have those new, like, if you saw the SoFi Stadium down there in uh, L.A., mm-hmm. it's got that, like, plexiglass, the glass look where you can see outside. They could do that with a moving uh, roof if they needed to here in Salt Lake, and I would actually advocate for that to have a closed roof. That's just my personal opinion on the matter. By the way, uh, I've got a funny note for you, Corey. I know you're a Royals guy. Uh, I've been to Kauffman Stadium, but I've never seen a Royals game. It's kind of funny, isn't it? What would you do at Kauffman? A I concert? For, I went for a tour, and that that's it. Oh, okay. <laughs> Just uh, it's funny. I, I can say I've been to Kauffman Stadium, but I've actually never seen the Royals play in person. Well, so. you know what? Outside of a two and a half year window, you didn't miss much. Outside of watching the Royals in <laughs> sure. the second half of thirteen, and then fourteen and fifteen. Outside of that, it's been pretty bad baseball. But uh, we yeah. had we had some fun times there winning the World Series. Absolutely, yeah. You, you, this is the thing about it. You, you you capitalized on that short window that was open for the Royals. They got they got the championship. That's all that really matters. Like there are other teams that have had bigger windows open and have never actually gotten to the mountaintop, and that's what the Royals did. No, so that's, that's it's it's a debate that we had many times in Kansas City of Would you rather be Tampa? Where you're in and you're out, you're a competitive team, they've been to two World Series, but they haven't won either of them, or would you rather have the Royals, where really it was like a two and a half year window, Uh and they went to two World Series and won one of them, and I said, give me all the losing seasons, because I wouldn't trade in what that run was, and actually winning the championship, getting that payoff is just huge. Yeah, no, absolutely. All right, well, 
I'm hoping we get it. I'd love to see Major League Baseball here along the Wasatch Front, but it's probably a ways off. But nonetheless, we'll continue to track all that news. But uh, big news, obviously, with the A's signing that deal and obviously having the Oakland mayor say, hey, we're ceasing all negotiations starting right now. So sure looks like Las Vegas Athletics, they'll be there. It looks The plan is to have it done by 2027, uh, get them into Vegas by 2027. But we'll see what happens. All right, we will come back on the other side, get some final thoughts, wrap up this edition of the Saturday Show. You're tuned in right here to 97.5 FM, the KSL Sports Zone. Welcome back to the Saturday show here on DKSL Sports Zone Live today at the UNA Golf Demo Days in Sandy at Mulgan's Golf and Games. Obviously, been having a great time out here. Weather uh, been okay. It's been a little gusty and whatnot, but I've got a guy who knows something about playing uh, baseball in all kinds of weather conditions. Ryan Hancock, he was on with us a few weeks ago, a pitcher for the, in the big leagues with the Angels. Obviously, Ryan, what's up, dude? Well, just here hitting some balls and gonna see what clubs i want to go with this uh, year. I, hey I, I don't blame you one bit i'm actually going to sneak over and start hitting some as soon as we're done with the show but uh you heard us talking a little bit about baseball how big of a deal would it be for you personally as a guy who was in the bigs to have a major league baseball team called salt lake home oh that would be just so awesome i mean of course it'd be hard to give up my um fanhood with the angels but um <laughs> It might just have to happen. I, I'm trying to decide if I'd look, rather have an American League or National League team here. Um, I've always favored American League, but sure. um, you know, it'd be interesting either way. I mean, who cares? Just get a team here. That would be amazing. And you and I are both ALS guys. I'm a Mariners yes. guy. So I, my I, Lloyd, who works with us at the Zone, me and him were talking about this. We want an NL team here. And mm-hmm. the reason I want it is because I could still support the, te- yeah. still support the Mariners because they're an AL team, but I, the NL team could become my – and you also bring in the Dodgers, the Absolutely. Diamondbacks, all that type of uh, – yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I, I know a lot of people that would love to see a National League team here um, just by thinking about the, the fans that are in here. Man, there's a lot of Dodger fans. Um, you know, you got to think – I think there's more National League fans here probably than there is um, American League fans. There's um, a large, large Dodger. Yeah, and, and then sure. you're going to have the A's down in oh, yeah. Vegas. Yep. So yeah. if you want to see American League teams, that you can go there. So, I, I yeah, I'm with you on that, actually. I think National League would be better. How crazy is it to think that the A's are going to Vegas? Um, Man, <laughs> that place is a dump. <laughs> I can tell you, I've pitched there. I've pitched there, and it's felt like... You're talking about the Coliseum in yeah, Oakland. Yeah, I pitched at the Coliseum, and... It honestly didn't really. It felt like like it was a football field, really. Oh, yeah, well, it's, it did. Yeah, and, it, and it it's, it's from that era of the multi-purpose yep. stadiums. It had football in there. It had baseball, and that's the thing about it is anymore they've gone to team or sports specific facilities, which are far better for the fan experience in particular. Yeah, absolutely. And, and gosh, I mean, looking at the renderings of the stadium, they're going to possibly get going here. Uh, how exciting is it? I mean, it's it's just awesome. There, you, there's going to be excellent following here. Yep. Um, you know, I man, it, it's going to be rough if if we get pushed off for a couple <laughs> more years. But but I think I think we're good. Us in Nashville seem like really good options. 
Well, yeah, and that, that's the thing about it. The interesting thing I learned when they announced the Big League Utah thing announced it, they said that essentially Major League Baseball is looking at it as, as one Western expansion, one Eastern expansion yeah. side. I didn't know that that was kind of in the plans. I, at least I didn't know that ahead of time coming into all this discussion. Yeah, um, definitely there's there's a little bit of a hole out here, and definitely Salt Lake's in a nice spot um, as far as pulling in a fan base. Um, you know, I I, I I think uh, that's something they're looking at as well, but I think definitely they are wanting a, a West a West Coast team. Be fun to have it. We'll see what happens. It's gonna be interesting to see how it all goes down. I I, I think the earliest it comes is probably the late 2020s, probably early 2030s. But uh-huh. just get it here. That's all I care about. Have they talked anything about that new stadium possibly? being something that could have a retractable roof? Uh, I, they, in, when they first did that press conference, they didn't mention it. The renderings didn't have it on there. But uh-huh. I'm just thinking it, for early and late season type games. Why not? I need mean, it. Yeah, definitely. I mean, it, it's, it would be crazy not to. I mean, really, it's just going to be April that's going to be rough. Yeah. Um, October is great here. I, I think typically, October yeah, is great. You, every so often here. you can get a little bit of a, a crazy yeah, cold yeah, you snap. Yeah, you might get a cold snap. Yeah. Um, but – but I mean, honestly, you know that's deep in the playoffs. Yeah, you'd be you'd be, so. you'd be making a run at that yeah. point to get to that level. But we'll see what happens. Another thing, real quick, Ryan, before we let you go, I know you got to go hit clubs and whatnot. <laughs> uh, how excited are you for BYU football this year? Oh my gosh, I already have um, my tickets for for Texas. Set up, <laughs> so, um, and it's crazy to hear what they're doing with TCU on the. You know they're gonna basically try to keep us out of there but i saw that but yeah. hey that's just i mean that's that's a sign of respect for us they know about our fan base we're gonna come make some noise um, well and tc you should know better than most because they spent time in the mountain west and yep. the whack with BYU. They, they, know, <laughs> they know they know yeah. cougar fans will travel in droves to watch them. absolutely yeah and i think everyone in the big 12 is excited to see us come in and we're definitely the 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 team of those four expansion teams that I think people are most excited about. Yeah, well, it's going to be fun. It's a fun new era, by the way. Like, it's crazy thing. It's just it's a couple months away before it's official. It's, it oh. feels like it's been coming for a minute because the announcement came almost two years ago. Absolutely. So. Yeah, I know it. You know, time time flies, but um, man, it's going to be so exciting. It's 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 here. It's it's you know no more waiting. Yeah, absolutely. Well, Ryan, thanks for stopping by, man. Go, go hit, go hit some long ones for us and find out what. That's the fun part about this. You can hit all these clubs and give them a shot. Oh, absolutely. Um, you want to get them all in one place? You can, can compare them a little bit. Um, uh, you know, it's a little bit chilly, but it's not raining. Hey. Yeah, that, that's the positive. Yes, there yeah. no moisture out there. That's the nice part about it. All right, well, Ryan, thanks for stopping by, my man. Hey, we'll catch up with you soon. All right. Yep. Okay. Thanks. There you go. Ryan Hancock, obviously former BYU quarterback and pitcher, uh, joining us here. Obviously, uh, he's been out here hitting golf clubs. If you guys want to stop by, we'd love to have you guys stop on by. Supposed to be having a rep here from Tor Edge uh, stop by, but uh, we'll see what happens on, on that front. Uh, just kind of waiting on see if we can get this. Uh, one more thing, Corey, uh, real quick before we go here. You're a guy from the Midwest, from Big 12 territory. How excited are you to have BYU and have Big 12 teams come out this way? I'm excited because it gives some stability to the Big 12. I mean, I, I'm an Oklahoma sure. State guy, for people who wouldn't know that. I went to Oklahoma State, and so I was really worried uh, when all this stuff started happening, and I knew that if Oklahoma and Texas left, that Oklahoma State was going to be vulnerable. So BYU being a huge brand coming in, I think, lends more credibility and more stability to the Big 12. Uh, I would say I'm more excited about them coming 
to the Big 12 than any of the other schools that are coming just because of the national brand that BYU has and, you know, the history of success that they've had. So I'm excited for it. And I also love that that means uh, Oklahoma State will have some games up here in Provo that I'll be able to go to now that I've moved to Salt Lake. Well, I was going to say, you're an an Okie State. Oklahoma State, you're an alumnus, obviously. That's probably exciting for you, obviously, to have them come essentially to your your hometown to watch. Yeah, that's uh, we were excited about that when we were moving here. I'm like, hey, they'll come up. They'll play basketball here. They'll play football here. Uh, every, I don't know exactly how the schedules are going to work out once sure. once all the dust settles and how often they'll be coming to Provo. Uh, but they should at least be coming here for basketball every year uh, unless the conference expands and turns into some kind of juggernaut conference. So, well, It'll be interesting. You're right, because the schedules obviously with 12 teams a little bit different. We'll see how it all shakes out. All right, uh, we are going to have Chris here from Tor Edge joining us momentarily as we wrap up this edition of the Saturday show. Chris, you can toss that headset on right there. Uh, and Chris, uh, Tor Edge is a brand that I have seen. Like I've seen advertisements for it. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, but explain what Tor Edge is. Like, where is it from, etc. So Tor Edge is out of Chicago. Okay. It started in Chicago. Sure. It, uh, we've been in business almost forty years now. Awesome. Um, the parent company is Tor Edge. We have yeah. two lines that we're actually showing today, and that's the Hot Launch and the Exotics line. Okay. It's all about technology. Yes. Hot Launch is going to be just more entry-level stuff. Okay. Um, Exotics is going to be completely customizable. Okay. But uh, one of our biggest things is we have a lifetime warranty on every club we sell. Really? So anytime you have any sort of issues, if we can't uh, fix the issue, we replace it with something that's comparable. So that's, so that's, lifetime warranty is, uh, is one of our biggest selling points. That's awesome. Yeah. You, you talk about technology. Golf yeah. is so tech, technology-driven these yeah. days. Yeah, absolutely. How much... Like, I guess research do you guys do on an annual basis, et cetera? Um, I mean, we've invested a ton. So we yeah. have a, a, one of those robots back yes. in Chicago that yeah. we're using that we test all of our shafts against all the different heads. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, you know, when it comes to other manufacturers, Callaway, TaylorMade, something like that, yeah. we we don't have quite the advertising budget sure. that, uh, that those guys do. Uh-huh. But, uh, you know, we put a ton of research into, into all of our stuff or, you know, with – where we've come from yeah. and to where we are now is just leaps and bounds ahead. Okay, so exotics, it sounds like a really like fun term. Why, why term it exotics? Like what? That would be one I'd have to ask. Okay. Uh, so David Glaude is the, yeah. he's the, the co or the company yeah. uh, owner, founder of, mm-hmm. of, of Tour Edge. Yeah. And um, exotics, I, I honestly don't know where the name exotics come from, but so you, I won't lie about that. But you say it's completely customizable. Completely, and you, yeah. You can set it from the ground up. You can set up everybody's club the way they want it. Correct. Spent. Absolutely. Yeah. How, how much? Okay. How how important can that be for a golfer in your mind? Um, even even like we're talking yeah. like an entry level player. It can be very important, especially for getting fit. Yes. Okay. So when we want in the game, we want to make sure that we are we have the right club in our hand, whether it be uh, the length of the club, whether it be the flex of the shaft. Um, I mean, we have so much ability to help a golfer now. Mm-hmm turn a right miss into something that goes sure. straight with yeah. weights on the club and all that. So mm-hmm. it, it once we get it set, we may not tinker it with it too much, but for us to be able to adjust it that way is very – it helps us a lot get get more golfers into the Everybody game. Everybody wants to hit it long, they want to hit it straight, exactly. and that's what you're trying to set exactly. it up for. Well, yeah. hey, uh, you're going to be out until 3 o'clock, obviously, with the Absolutely. Golf Demo Day. Yep. Stop on by. You can check out all the – I say all your club setup and everything. You can hit everything yep. you've guys got – 
essentially in all your lines, right? Absolutely. Yep. Awesome. Yep. Well, Chris, thank you for here. stopping by. All right. Awesome. Thanks for having me. Appreciate all right. It. There you go, Chris right. from Tor Edge. You got a number of other reps down here with you in golf as well. They'll be out here till three o'clock. Uh, we are going to be wrapping things up here on the Saturday show. But a big thank you to all of you for tuning in once again. Stop on by down here at Mulligan Golf and Games. They got the taco truck out here as well. Uh, first hundred fans uh, stopping by, getting free food. They're also got a giveaway from our friends at UNA Golf for free gear as well. I believe I heard him talking about giving away a driver potentially. So if you want to win some free gear, stop on by. They're out here till three o'clock this afternoon. Big thank you to Mulligans and UNA Golf for having us out here. For Corey, I'm Jake. Have a great rest of your Saturday. This has been the Saturday Show right here on 97.5 FM, the KSL Sports Zone. A stranger with a gun came upon two teens taking pictures under a rising full moon. But violence is only the beginning of this story. Sometimes I thought, there are no miracles. Yeah, there are. And this is a big one. I'm Amy Donaldson, and I've spent my career talking about how lives are undone by violence. The Letter is a podcast about how lives are remade. Follow The Letter at theletterpodcast.com or wherever you get your podcasts.